Hello, this is Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How are you? This is working great. Yeah, it's so fun, right? It's easy. Yeah, that was really easy. Oh, how's your weekend? Oh, it's been really nice. We had um, a socially distanced uh, gathering with the residency chief class that's about to graduate. And then I've done some um, moving and last minute paperwork um, type stuff this weekend. Oh, my goodness. Okay, tell us about this socially distanced. This is Dr. Sarah Hoopenbecker, everyone. Graduating chief resident. Exciting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's going to be a whirlwind of a week, I'm sure. Um, so what did you guys do this weekend? How did you do this gathering? Uh, so yesterday I have um, a couple of friends in, like, the general surgery department and other places that I've met throughout my four years of residency. So we went to Forest Park and each had our own separate picnic blanket and basket and um, had our masks and hung out there for a couple of hours. It was hot but beautiful in St. Louis. And then after that, one of our um, graduating chiefs was having a socially distanced barbecue in her backyard where it was a similar idea. But it's been quite some time since I've been able to see everybody in my class. So it was really good to see everyone, hear about everyone's moving plans and see pictures of their houses and apartments and hear what they've been getting up oh, to. Oh, yeah. It's so long and coming, right? It's just so, so time mm-hmm. for that. Oh, I'm glad. And I really feel like at this point we've, I, I know we've do, been doing a lot of experimenting with how do we do social distancing and how it's going to work, but... <laughs> I feel like there's been a bit of a happy medium that's been reached with these outdoor events now that the weather is obviously great and yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think everybody's still being really mindful with the responsibility of being a doctor and seeing patients who may be really sick, but I think it's been really safe, but good now. Well, I'm glad you could spend some time together. That's great. Um, Well, tell us a little bit about your plans where, um, or catch me up on, on, you know, moving when are you moving and where will you be living and (laughs) yeah so I will be moving a week from tomorrow which is crazy I will be going down to Houston Texas to start gynecologic oncology fellowship at MD Anderson which I am so ecstatic about it'll be a completely new program in a new city and I'll be living there with my fiance who will be an emergency medicine intern so it's going to be a lot of first wow yeah that's a lot (laughs) that's so exciting congratulations um just so excited for you and the next steps and MD Anderson is such a wonderful place and they couldn't be luckier to get you (laughs) (laughs) thank you I'm excited to see what working at a specific cancer center is like Mm -hmm. since I've gotten such excellent training at um, here and as a medical student. So I'm excited to see a slightly different model and learn a lot, (laughs) Um, but it'll be really good. Wow. So that just told us a lot. So you have a fiance who's also going into medicine and then um, you're going into Gynonc and let's just back it up a bit and start from the beginning mm-hmm. like how'd you get here <laughs> where, did, where did it start and how did this how did this turn of events come about <laughs> great question um so I was born and grew up in Minnesota I lived mainly there until college I had one year with my family in London in high school but otherwise Minnesota born and bred <laughs> went to 
Penn for my undergrad education and then stayed there for med school. I've known that I wanted to be a doctor since eighth grade. We had to build a model heart in health class, and I just fell in love with thinking about the circulatory system and how the body works and thought it was so interesting. And so I went into undergrad knowing that I was going to be pre-med and got a biology major, was pretty traditional, and then stayed at Penn for med school. And I originally thought that I was going to do orthopedic surgery. I knew I loved the OR. Um, I really liked being able to focus kind of on one thing and really be able to hone my skills and do a Mm -hmm. good job. And then on my OB-GYN rotation, I loved the continuity of care and especially in gynecologic oncology that you got to really help take ownership over helping a patient over a long period of time and in a time that was really significant in their lives that affected not only them, but their families and also got to do really interesting surgeries as well as medical and chemo treatment. And so it was just kind of a perfect yeah. fit. And um, so I went into, so I decided OB-GYN and then ended up at WashU, which I was ecstatic about and kind of continued on the Gynonc um, train throughout residency. I started doing research pretty early, had amazing mentorship in the department and division and was lucky enough to have a great fellowship match uh, this past fall. Yeah, very great. And along the way, um, how did you meet your fiance, Warren? so we actually met in undergrad freshman year and um, dated for several years at that point actually broke up when I was in medical school and he was looking at other kind of careers and opportunities and then got back together when I was in residency and now we had a I guess not a couples match because I matched before he did, but we have both ended up in Houston. So we are finally going to be back together in the same that's city. Awesome. Wow. That's great. So you matched and then he matched. Is that how it works? Yeah. yeah. So I matched in October. He's a med student. Well, I guess he's a doctor now. He just graduated from Penn Med oh. in Philly. Um, and so he matched in March in Houston and um you know, we'd really been hoping for that. And so it makes things much easier now. Wow. Yeah. He's going to do emergency medicine, huh? That's okay. Yep. Emergency medicine. So I'm trying to teach him all my ob right. tricks so he will stand out. <laughs> How did he not call that consult you didn't need to call? <laughs> exactly. Or... Always get a urine pregnancy test. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's great. Yeah. You'll have so many tips for him. That's fantastic. And he'll be so helpful in return too, I think. Oh, for sure. I think it's going to be a good, uh, good learning from each other. <laughs> um, great. Well, I know, um, and back to Minnesota and your family there. Um, I know this year has seen, unfortunately, the loss of both your grandparents, is that right? grandfathers, um, and they just seemed like such wonderful mentors for you. And you mentioned mentorship, but um, can you talk a little bit about the impact that your family has had on on your medical does it play into that do you think about your grandparents when you think about being a doctor I do yeah this January both of my grandfathers on my mom's and dad's side um, both passed pretty unexpectedly and family has always been huge for me I was able to go back for both of their funerals um, which was you know my program made it really easy for me to miss a day and get there because it was so important um 
you know, my both of my grandfathers would always ask questions about like their heart failure and other things, which I couldn't help with as much. But um, my family overall has always been super supportive and we're a very close family. Um, I have a Skype or FaceTime call with my whole family once a week. Um, during COVID, we managed to rig up some virtual board games. And, um, you know, back in a couple of years ago, my grandparents would have also joined along. And my grandmothers in particular were always um, very, um, uh, very inspirational women. My mom's mom in particular was like the first female mayor of her town, was very involved in politics. And so I kind of got um, a lot of activism, especially for women from an early oh, age. Wow. Um, how did that, that's, that's cool. Did, were you around when she was actually campaigning for that or had that happened before you entered the world? <laughs> that was when you I was really know. young. Yeah. So my, one of my earliest memories is being in like the town's parade while she was in the mayor's car and waving at everybody on the side. So I do remember it slightly, but, um, Mainly when I was growing up, she did a lot of work with um, rural health, rural communities, and also hospice care in her in rural Minnesota. Oh, wow. Okay, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I mean, I feel like if we have learned, we've learned a lot in these past couple of months. I think, but how important um, elected officials are and elected, you know, community leaders are, um, and to see that leadership from within your family at such a young age. Um, that's awesome. That's- oh, absolutely. And during fellowship, I will be able to, we are required to do a master's. And so I'm going to do an MPH and I hope to minor in like health, public health and public policy to try to increase my activism and uh, hopefully help influence some legislative work down the line as well. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. Is that part, um, how is your fellowship going to be structured? And I know it's a four-year fellowship, right, at MD Anderson? It is a four-year fellowship. Uh, because, most in the country are three I mean, years, that's what I would like to establish. Mine is that four. You, are, you come from a, a family of super hard workers, right? I know that you mentioned that about both of your grandfathers and obviously your grandmother and all the women in your family too. Um, you have not yourself shied away from hard work. I would say you're, you're just one of those people who works until it gets done, <laughs> uh, which is awesome. Uh, we love that about you and, and have so appreciated that as you've been here. Um, but that's, so yeah, of course you would choose the four-year fellowship, right? <laughs> There's you. not, <laughs> not all guy on fellowships are four years, right? <laughs> Um, you know, my life so far has been in four year yep. blocks, so it seemed weird to do it in shorter than that. <laughs> um, but my first, it's a really, it's a setup that I really like. My first two years are mainly research and getting my master's with um, clinical call about once per week and one weekend per month. And then my last two years of fellowship will be all of my clinical time. Okay, great. Yeah. And those two years of research, I mean, they'll be something totally different. You get to take a bit of a break from the hectic day-to-day clinical schedule. And um, yeah, I know you're going to make the most of it for sure. Yeah, I'm really excited. And I'll have hopefully enough time to actually finish um, some bigger and more in-depth projects, I hope. Yeah. Oh, so exciting. Um, And how is it, how are things starting up for you? I know 
that's coming soon. Do they have a plan to I don't know, welcome you to Houston in a socially distanced fashion or <laughs> we've had some virtual happy hours with all of the current fellows and then incoming fellows, which has been really fun. Um, I feel very welcome. They help give tips for looking at house hunting and neighborhoods and restaurants to look into once we move down. So it's been a very welcoming atmosphere. And I've talked with the uh, fellowship director a couple times. They're still figuring out our orientation and how much will be virtual versus in person, but it sounds like they're ready for us. Great. Um, well, let's talk about a little bit of advice giving because you have racked up a bit of it in the past several years, but certainly for residency, if um, you know you were starting again, is there anything that you wish you had known at that time? I mean, I, I feel like your residency has been a very steady course and you you kind of came in with, with a goal and you've completely achieved that and so much more, um, which you're so proud of you, but, um, you know, what, what would you say to interns entering now? If, if there's anything else, anything you wish that they would keep in mind? So I feel like my two big pieces of advice for interns are actually the first one is to keep an open mind. I did stay pretty much on my path all the way through, but I think that often people are surprised by what they like and don't like, because in medical school, you're not exposed to everything in the field. And I definitely know some of my co-chiefs have completely changed their mind about what they've wanted their career or their research to look like. And so I encourage people to really look into everything and not just go based on what they thought they wanted to do, but on what they actually like once they're in residency. And then my other big piece of advice is to always have something outside of medicine that you like to do. I think it's really easy to become overwhelmed with work during residency but if you have a couple things that are just for you for your own kind of wellness mind body something that's not medical it will make you feel like uh you still um just have something for yourself yeah okay let's talk about that um how do you define wellness i know it's a we have wellness initiatives and we're trying to make a focus of that for the residency uh for sure um how, what's wellness to you? So I think it's different for everybody, which is why it's been hard to think of things that are like always that everyone loves for wellness initiatives. But for me, it's knowing that there are things outside of medicine and that there are going to be harder times during training and easier times during residency training and that it will even out and that you, if you have things to kind of help even that path. Um, and people to talk to and other activities to do that you'll be able to get through the harder times. Yeah. And some of the things I know you're a biker and you're a runner and, um, like Dr. Hoopenbecker is the type of person who goes off and just runs a marathon on the weekend over (laughs) service. And I don't know, I don't know how, um, you know, I mean, you just have like boundless energy, so (laughs) which is awesome, but yeah, what kinds of things have you liked to do? Um... Yeah, so you mentioned I really value physical activity. I love running. I love cycling. Um, I haven't gotten to do as much as I u- used to during medical school, but um, signing up for races keeps me motivated to keep having goals and keep working out. I also 
you know, have a good amount of family time calling my um, parents or going back for vacations or chatting with my sisters. And then I also do a lot of reading. I try to always have a book on my bedside table to, you know, read before bed instead of looking over, (laughs) looking over charts or worrying about patients um, as the last thing that I do at night. Well, that's great. What it, are you reading anything right now? I know it's a super busy time. <laughs> I just finished a really interesting book called The Power. Okay. Which is about basically a society where uh, women find this secret electrical ability in their bodies that um, kind of flips society from a more patriarchal to a more matriarchal society. Oh. It's... um. <laughs> A little bit dystopian future, but it's really interesting. Well, who's the author? Um, the author is Naomi Alderman. Okay. Excellent. Well, you know, that seems like a really interesting book for times, just, you know, changing times. And um, that's awesome. That's that's great. Way to keep yeah. reading. I think that's and, kind of, and then, so hard. Of, of course, my residency class has, you know, we're good friends with each other um you know all of us have kind of had our ups and downs but we generally try to get together for birthdays or happy hours or things to keep connected as a as a group as well outside of the hospital yeah you guys do seem to have a really close-knit class and that's i mean i feel like your residency friends your resident classmates are going to be just bonded for life and hopefully you'll all keep in touch and We're going to miss you so much. (laughs) I know. It's kind of a weird time to be leaving. It feels like kind of an Irish goodbye. Right. Right. So let's say we were having the traditional graduation. Um, We've often done that walk-up song. Um, Have you thought about what your walk-up song would be? (laughs) So um, it's a hard song to choose, but the one that (laughs) I've thought of recently would be School in Life by Beyonce. Okay. Um, because it's such an empowering song for kind of whatever you are doing with your life. Um, you know, it's a song about you don't have to be the most accessible or the most powerful, but, um, you know, as long as you have something for yourself, you're doing well. And also Beyonce is just a great artist. So I love it. (laughs) I'm pretty excited for the virtual graduation. Um, are you guys going to be together during it or separate or I don't. We're still talking about that. We might do some sort of outdoor gathering together, but apart. Um, and then, you know, our parents have, um, we'll have invites to the virtual graduation part as well. So um, it'll be, we're still kind of in the process of figuring out. It's kind of snuck up on all of us now that it's the last week, but hopefully something together. Oh. Now, right before COVID, weren't you on a big trip? Do I remember? Were you guys, you and your traveling, or is that when you got engaged? Or how were Yeah, I went to um, Ecuador with my then boyfriend, and we had an excellent trip exploring Quito and doing some hiking and mountain climbing, and then um, a cruise in the Galapagos, which is when he proposed. Oh my goodness, wow. Which is great because it was right before COVID hit, and we have not been able to see each other so much since then. Is he still in Philadelphia? Or he has now moved down to Houston. Oh, wow. Okay. 
So um, we bought a house down there, and he's moved his stuff from Philly down there. And then we'll be coming up to St. Louis for a couple of days before moving my stuff down. Wow. So long-distance relationships, like, uh, how have you managed that? I know this time is particularly difficult or different but um, just in general that can be a real stress um, you know while you're going through such a stressful period but how it clearly has worked out for you which is awesome um, but how you know any I don't know how has that been <laughs> you know it's not my favorite thing to do it's much better being together but pre-covid we tried to have you know weekend trips back and forth when schedules allowed and um vacations together when possible and with COVID and kind of in times when we couldn't be together we've tried to have things that we still do together like reading the same book or watching the same tv show um, trying to talk at night but also understanding when one person is really busy or on a tough rotation and just being able to know when they need some more time and space and when they might need support and when it's a little bit more free time. Yeah, that constant um, balance of, of doing enough to keep in touch and everything. Um, uh, well, I'm so glad it's worked out for you so well. And that's, it's, <laughs> I'm glad that. as well. <laughs> um, yeah. So where do you see yourself in the future? So you're going to rock your fellowship coming up for the next four years. And um, what are your dreams for 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line? Great question. So I hope to be um, at an academic medicine institution so that I can continue to train other fellows and residents and the people coming up behind me. Hopefully in 10 years, I have a pretty robust clinical practice. Um, And then I hope that my research is very much in focusing on Uh, screening and vaccinations and trying to help prevent cancer as much as possible. And then on the kind of other end of the spectrum, doing hospice and end of life care planning and things to make um, kind of an easier transition for patients who um, are really sick with advanced cancer at the end of their lives. Yeah, really important areas that I feel like are you know, sometimes we think about cancer treatment as just being you know, the, the, the chemo or the surgery, but these two ends of the spectrum, you know, sometimes have, as we've made so many advances in the middle of it and the actual treatments, right, these ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. are a little bit underdeveloped and certainly room for better understanding of all perspectives. And Yeah, and I think that there could be a lot of good work done with that. And then I would love to be involved in, you know, some national initiatives or trying to help with, you know, local projects or politics to help influence healthcare coverage and cost for cancer. Huge questions, right? How are we going to write (laughs) treatments that we've done all this research for? I mean, the combination of, you know, bevacizumab and PARP inhibitors for all comers with ovarian cancer is... I mean, potentially really exciting, but very expensive. And mm-hmm. how do we balance that with the costs associated with end-of-life care? And Yeah. 
Um, just as soon as you think maybe we figured out the right answer for something, all these other questions pop up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And lots of things to, to figure out. Um, yeah. And in fact, to that point, like, how do you, you know, I think sometimes in research, we want to get the answer right away, but it, it does lead to more questions. And um, I sometimes get very frustrated with that. Like, I would like to figure it out now. And then we put it into practice <laughs> and implement it without a problem, but obviously it takes time. So how do you deal with this sort of, well, it's a little bit of a longer process to see actual change. Um, does that bother you or how do you? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> I feel like I'm still in the process of learning that. During residency, I've definitely learned how long it takes to do research projects, period, let alone like implementing things that you've learned. But I've also seen things change significantly even during my last four years both in gynonc and also you know in the benign gyne world and the obstetrics field so I feel like people are very at least at WashU they have been and hopefully elsewhere open to changes that make sense um at the same time I'm kind of on the edge of or on the side of research that does get done a little faster by its nature. I don't see myself running a lab partly because it takes so long to try to see, you know, a big basic science project from start to finish. Yeah. What are some of the changes? I'm curious to see your thoughts on what, what changes have you noticed over the past four years? Um, some for the better, any for the worse? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of it's been for the better. Um, I think I've seen some changes in um, counseling in our tumor clinic, um, in the uh, more outpatient and preventative space. And um, obviously, during the last four years, there's been a lot of new research with PARP inhibitors and changes in the field and when you're administering those and um, when to think about those with cancer. I think that there's always exciting things coming out about potential new treatments, and some have worked out better than others, but hopefully there's more coming down the pipeline. And then kind of smaller institutional things that we've done, especially obstetrics, we've had a couple of the last few months, and I'm labor chief right now, so we've implemented new um, DDP prophylaxis guidelines, as well as an outpatient blood pressure monitoring that's uh, been really successful so far. Oh, it's, and that's, I'm sure, really helpful right now when people aren't, haven't been coming in as much. And at least you can, I mean, it's amazing the technology we can can really use to reach people when they can't live yeah. in the hospital. Uh, and it will be really interesting to see what lasting changes there might be in healthcare delivery because of the pandemic. Right. right. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, um, any anything else that you would want to talk about, or like, what what are some of the? Do you have any thoughts on what the hardest part of residency has been for you? Um, like, I don't see you as a particular like a person who's particularly struggled, uh, <laughs> but I know that that is sometimes. You know, I mean, I think speak to that. Like, how do you come to work every day with such a you know positive and, and attitude, and you really, I mean, this sort of kind of exude wellness I would say I feel that you always have like you just give the best of yourself. <laughs> this is, I mean I just have totally enjoyed watching and experiencing that with you <laughs> but, 
Oh, sometimes I do wonder, like, how can you stay so positive? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that I'm definitely an optimist at heart. um, And I love what I do on the job. So that, you know, makes it more fun and more enjoyable to come to work. I think the parts that I've found the hardest are actually when you're getting to be an upper level and managing people below you and have responsibility, not just for your actions, but kind of making sure that the whole team runs smoothly. I think that that was a lot to learn because nobody really teaches you team management skills. They teach you medicine and teach you surgery, but making sure that it all runs smoothly and that nothing falls through the cracks is, you know, something that's kind of a different skill. So true. Um, Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Have you had didactics about that or any, has that reached the teaching sessions at all? That's a really interesting point. I don't think so. Now that I'm trying to reflect back on it, I mean, we hear from people who come before us and talk amongst our class about different, you know, ways to manage teams. And I think the biggest thing is just you know, when I was a first and second year seeing what my chiefs were doing to make a successful team run and how they communicated and the expectations that they had. And that's what I've tried to emulate, just um, people that I really respected and admired ahead of me. Yeah. And so much of that is so important. I mean, it actually calls out the importance of, of you know, modeling the behavior you want to see, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. trying to... Um, I don't know. That's, that's hard. There's always somebody watching and, and learning. Yeah. And I've tried to do that as a chief to try to show hard work and positivity and teamwork. So yeah. hopefully that, hopefully I've taught my residents that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And your attendees. <laughs> well, and obviously I'm always learning from my attendings. No, but... I mean, you know, the modeling keeps going. I think it's so fun. And as you continue along, I, I, I hope that you will see this too. I mean, just to see your enthusiasm for a field, obviously, um, that's, that's my chosen specialty as well. And, and to kind of, um, you know, see you develop your own love for that and passion for the field. Um, it's, so exciting. I think that's one of the main reasons why I won't be able to leave academic medicine because I think this part of it is, is it's hugely motivating for me to keep on learning how to do this part better too. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a work in progress, right? We don't have to be perfect at it as we come out of residency, although, um, you know, that's, it's great to have a great start, but you've got such a good foundation and you're only going to fly when you get down to MD Anderson. So. Oh, thank you. I mean, I learn new things all the time, not just from my attendings, but also my intern second years. I feel like just being open to learning from wherever it comes has also been really helpful. So I'll continue to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, um, I hope that you make it safely down to Houston and that the transition is, smooth and exciting um if you you know i don't know what's going to happen with Pell the cause but we'd, we'd sure love to have you back on the team you've been such a <laughs> member for the past four you've been at four years right yeah, yeah. every year <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the highlights every summer oh, so fun yeah those take your polka dot jersey and wear it proudly <laughs> 
Oh, I certainly hope to. I would love to come back down for Pedal the Cause. If not this year, then hopefully a future year. Yeah. I'll be coming back to St. Louis to visit for sure. Yeah, for sure. You have to. It won't be the same without you. But <laughs> oh. Well, thank you. Oh. Well, always so great to catch up with you. And I, um, I think we should all just go turn on Beyonce and have a little dance party. <laughs> that's how I plan to end my residency <laughs> so great um, well I hope you have a wonderful rest of the weekend and a great last week of residency and I look forward to seeing the, the zoom graduation <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> oh thank you so much for this and for you know everything oh it's, yeah absolutely gosh I would you know it's one of those things where when you're just I remember so clearly when you came and interviewed and so excited <laughs> that you know you would have a chance to come here and we had some similar interests in terms of mm-hmm. um, wellness for our endometrial cancer patients mm-hmm. yeah it, it I mean we'll have to say that meeting you know people who are coming in with enthusiasm, everything. It's so motivating. I can't, I can't stress that enough. Like it is, it really helps the rest of us keep moving along with our academic goals as well. And that's probably one of my driving forces is seeing enthusiasm and all of, you know, when we come together, it makes it so worth it. That's really cool to hear because I feel like I get super motivated by seeing the attendings and everything that the fellows and the attendings are doing with research and clinical work and so I think it goes both ways for sure then yeah and the art is sort of finding a way to organize it and make sure that we you know I I think we probably together you and I have talked about like 20 different projects or different things and you have several mentors within the division and elsewhere who I mean you know just isn't unfortunately time to do everything I feel like I wish that mm-hmm. I, I wish we could keep it for four more years, <laughs> but, uh, but that wouldn't be the way this is supposed to work. So, <laughs> well, you never know what'll happen in the future. <laughs> I do hope that I really, sincerely do hope that we can, you know, we'll be colleagues and can continue to collaborate, and um, you know, we'll just keep sharing ideas and hopefully do what's best for our patients because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that. But yeah, I so remember interviewing you and being. <laughs> I remember too. <laughs> it was when we were so nervous. Our maternity building, well before we moved over to come. Yep. Um, yeah, it was great. And then, just yeah, it's. Oh, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> but you, you made us proud, Sarah. So, thank you. Thank you. It's been it's been such a good four years, and I'm. Very excited to continue the next step, but also very nostalgic. And, you know, I'm hoping that I can still work with everyone in the future. Count on everyone is to continue giving me great advice and be back to St. Louis. Awesome. Um, We always have a home here. And for now, go off and change the world, make it better, as I know you will. You continue to do that. And, um, yeah, have a great rest of the week and enjoy your last week of residency (laughs) thank you dr hageman i appreciate it all right talk to you soon all right Bye. bye 
And there you have it, Dr. Sarah Hoopenbecker, always living life to the fullest. And we are so proud of all the things that you will continue to do for our patients and for the field of OBGYN. Congrats, Sarah. Have a wonderful trip to Houston and keep in touch.